Welcome to the Fishers of Men podcast, brought to you by us at So Much Media. I'm Mary Ashley Burton. I'm Laura Samara. This podcast is about relationships and your walk with Jesus. It's about the true stories of Christian men and women's struggles with chastity, sex, marriage, and relationships in a post-Christian culture. So on today's podcast, we talked with Dr. Jason King. He's an associate professor, author, and chair of theology at St. Vincent College in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. He's also the editor of the Journal of Moral Theology. And his particular area of expertise and uh, area of research has been dating, specifically within the church. Yeah. So here's an interview. Enjoy. So great, Jason. Uh, thank you so much for joining Mary Ashley and I. Can you just let our audience know a little bit about you and your background? Sure, sure, sure. Uh, I'm uh, right now. I teach at St. Vincent College, which is the small Catholic Benedictine college outside of Pittsburgh, and I teach mostly sort of moral theology classes, ethics classes, uh, and one of my main classes is a class called Catholic Marriage. But it really does span the whole gamut of just sort of relationships and dating and sort of putting those in a kind of a, a Christian context from a variety of places. I did my PhD at Catholic University of America in Washington, D.C. That's actually in graduate school where I met my wife now. Uh, I met my wife uh, in graduate school and then we got married afterwards. And I trace all my roots really all the way back to Kentucky. So um, from Kentucky to actually Chicago for a year, and then D.C., and then Toledo, and then here in uh, rural Penn State. Awesome. Awesome. Can you let us know a little bit of books that you've written, just to name a few? Or the articles. Or the articles, sorry, that you uh, have talked about in this realm of dating and whatnot? Oh, sure. I was in my second or towards the end of my graduate school career, and I had We've been dating Kelly, who's my wife now, for a while, and a good friend of mine, Donna Freitas, who had been dating someone for a while. Uh, we we were uh, just sitting around talking about different different ideas, different things about theology, and different things about relationships, and we just sort of hit on this idea that, oh, we should write about dating and theology and sort of see where it goes. But, of course, as soon as we started researching it, there's just nothing out there. Right. <laughs> and, and so we sort of brainstormed some ideas. We found that while they, there's not a lot to talk about, Dating and theology, there's a lot of talk about love and friendship, virtues and character. And so we sort of put together this little presentation way back when, probably 1999, maybe, or 2000, and presented this little small conference. And we took that paper, got it published in an article, and then a Crossroads publishing company came to us and said, why don't you turn this into a book? And so we did this book together called uh, Save the Date, Spirituality of Dating, Love, Dinner, and the Divine. Uh, and then from there, we, Donna and I have sort of maintained friendships for the last 15 or 20 years. And she's gone on to do a whole bunch of stuff with relationships. One of her big books is Sex and the Soul. And then The End of Sex was another one that came afterwards. And after that, I've done a, a bunch of little articles reflecting on dating, how do you find meaning in dating, the challenges of dating in the 21st century, relationships, marriage. Uh, and then right now, I guess January 2017, my big book called Faith with Benefits is going to come out uh, from Oxford Press that's dealing with uh, relationships on the campuses of Catholic colleges and universities. That's sort of a long-winded background of... <laughs> <laughs> Of stuff on dating. So in all of these studies, what is the most surprising thing that you've found uh, in your research? I guess two things really 
perpetually surprise me. One is how few resources there are for thinking about uh, dating relationships. I know it's a relatively sort of recent phenomenon, but now people start having, I don't know what you would call it. I guess like middle school, you're starting to have quasi relationships. Now, so you're 12, 13, 14, and the average age of marriage is pushing up to like 28, 29, 30, 10 or 15 years where there's, you're not, you're sort of dating people, but you're not really thinking about marriage. And there's just not a lot of resources out there to think about it well. And there's definitely not a lot of Catholic resources out out there to think about it well. And that surprises me. And it's such a formative time. Uh, Mm. Like I said, I teach college students and they want good relationships and they just are sort of, they look sort of lost when it comes to things to read or, or things to think about. That's one thing. And the other thing that I find surprising is the number of ways students sort of work around not knowing what to do <laughs> mm-hmm. on Catholic campuses, the ways in which they sort of find, they do find relationships or their, um, the ways they sort of get to know people. One of my students, she, I talked, she was in the class and we were talking about dating and how you find, how do you find the question in the class that we were discussing was, you know, how do you meet somebody? You know, how do you know that you're interested in it? And they <laughs> Perfect. Were, well, and they very were, important question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were trying to negotiate, you know, they don't want to, they don't want hooking up and they don't want like immediately to jump into like a marriage or an engagement. So how do you find that sort of middle ground of like, I'm interested in, you know, sort of seeing if I'm more interested. And so uh, one of my students came up with this idea. She said, Oh, I I parallel eat all the time. Like parallel eat. What are you talking about? She said, well, you know, going out to dinner seems really formal. So what I do is I invite people, (laughs) so I invite, I invite guys to come eat with me in the cafeteria. So she said, it's sort of safe, and we can sort of, it says I'm interested in them, but it's not sort of so like, oh, we're sort of committed and feared. So, oh, it's great. Yeah, it was just so clever, and I just find other students, they would just come up with such clever ways of uh, of finding people that they're interested in or finding ways to sort of negotiate that middle ground, and so I'm I'm always always just really impressed with them. Well, what we do is uh, stick a microphone in someone's face and interview them. That's a good gimmick, too. Yeah. Hey, I like you. Can you come interview Could, for Could you podcast? comment on what you think dating is? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are you looking for in a girl? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, that's brilliant. I'll have to, I'll have to pull that out. <laughs> one, of my, one, one of my friends, uh, one of my colleagues, she had this assignment uh, in class. She would actually assign students to go on a date. So she would send them out, like she gave them all these parameters about like, you know, it could last two, you had to ask the person out in in person. Once you made the arrangements, once you asked the person out, uh, then you had to, you know, set up a plan within like three days to make sure it was, there's no stress and anxiety. You know, it had all these other, like it could only last two hours, had to be back by 10. So it's sort of formal and structured, but it was meant to sort of foster what she called like an old fashioned date. And that was pretty clever. But the clever thing that the students did is that once this assignment got, got around campus that sort of she was doing it then students would say oh i'm in this class and i have to ask somebody out on a date would you go on a date with me of course the people weren't actually in the class they were just using that as a gimmick to ask people out mm-hmm. so <laughs> 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 it was just they're just so clever so what do you think is lacking in the conversations that we are having in the church about dating Besides yeah. everything. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah, besides everything. 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's it's really, yeah, I, I it's I, I would say that the conversations about how to have good relationships, the conversations about how to have good marriages, like a lot of those conversations are just missing and absent. So many of the conversations are are um, about canon laws and what's allowed and what's not allowed. Mm-hmm. And so I think like how, what, how to have a meaningful relationship and sort of what's the meaning and purpose of relationships. Uh, marriage is a little easier because you've got a kind of sacramental tradition to it, but like friendship for a long time was an important, important category. And, and we don't think about it very well, I think uh, in our day and age. And then, uh, like romantic relationships, there's just no, just really no language to think about, which is really a loss. I think there's a lot of good stuff to think about. There's a lot of good stuff in the tradition to think about mere, think about love and think about forgiveness that are really important, but there, it's just, there's just nothing out there. And, uh, it's just so many of the rules, what not to do. And, uh, as valuable as those might be, they just don't tell you what you should be doing and, right. and how do you thrive in those sort of situations. Yeah, it's difficult because it seems like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like there's no agreed upon model, even definition or model of just how to go about dating. And there's so many, like we, we talk to a lot of people on our podcast and as many people as we've talked to, every single person has a different perspective. Yeah. 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 I get, yeah, that's, that's a, that is a, I think that is absolutely correct. Like there's no, common language to, to even talk about sort of what you do. And I, I, in class, sometimes I'll run through like the sort of the history of dating. And if you, you know, used to like turn of the century, you had stuff like, you know, calling and keeping company where, you know, you're visiting, if you're, if you're a guy and you're interested in a girl, you go and visit her in her, in her, in the parlor, in the house with the parents sitting there. And you have like the whole dating going steady in the 1950s and 1960s. And then really after that, it just sort of disappears and there's just no terms to talk about what relationships are and you get stuff like hanging out, you get stuff like cooking up, but nothing, nothing that really clarifies what you're sort of doing. And so it just is a, whatever sort of people make it to be, that's Mm -hmm. what it turns out being. Yeah. Yeah. I read your, I read your article about that, the history of dating. Is that what it's called? Is that what it? Yeah. It it was excellent. Yeah. It was great. Just going down to what, it used to be, I mean, even like a hundred years ago, and then you start yeah. getting into various revolutions such as, you know, the sexual revolution, the the feminist movements, et cetera, et cetera. And what has been lost is it's really a shame because even though, yeah, we don't prescribe to those things like calling or keeping company with your family present, there's yeah. something about that that is actually really tender. And because it's intentional, it's less confusing and I'm not sure that people get that like, well, you wanted all this quote unquote freedom and here's what it's gotten, gotten you. And, you know, there's ways to be wise about how to date these days, but you know, there, we, we interviewed our, or we talked about our grandparents, how they used to do it back in the day. And, you know, they say it wasn't a simpler time, but we found that to be kind of, for our, in our perspective, it kind of was, you know, we just confuse ourselves no. with the problem. Mm-hmm. You know, we have so many options, especially with <laughs> online dating. And it's just like, what is happening? And you then you get into uh, hanging out, which is like a term that we both loathe. Mary Ashley and I mm-hmm. just hate yeah. that because it's so like, what is that? But the hookup <laughs> culture 
which is what I really want to get into in, in this in our talk today. Just like, because that's still a thing that happens even within the church. And then mm-hmm. hooking up, there's different, you know, definitions of that. But yes. yeah, sorry, I'm just getting onto a tirade here. <laughs> <So funny>. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, but I think it's absolutely right. Like, it's not it's not that you want to go back like the 1890s or the 1940s right. or something. But but they, they had language that was really sort of helpful to figure out what you were doing, and we just don't. We don't, you know, again, I don't want to go back to like letter jackets and uh, class rings, but, you know, those were clear symbols that you knew, oh, they're dating, they're going out, this is mm-hmm. what's going on. And you just, you, there's all, there's no, nothing that's really compared to that uh, uh, these days. And you really have to, you know, if you're going out, you know, if you're with somebody, you at some point, you just have to have a conversation to figure out what are we doing? And, mm-hmm. you know, that's always sort of fraught with uh, scariness. But, yeah, yeah and it's like just, never the right moment, and yeah, yeah you know, <laughs> at least one of you will be caught off guard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Sorry. yeah, uh, yeah. My students will sometimes push and say, "Oh, well, there's Facebook, and you can you know, sort of have the relationship status in Facebook." But everybody hates that, and it's just not like it. That seems so formal that by that point, it's usually for people that are older and getting close to engagement when, mm-hmm. when that level sort of kicks in, there's just nothing I, I find. And that's, I think that what my students keep saying, there's just no common understanding that you can work with. Mm. Yeah. Well, people that are like 25 and under though, are not really on Facebook anyway. So, yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. So it's even less useful than it used to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so have you uh, been able to arrive at a theology of dating? I we've I've tried. I keep making the argument, and part of my point is that when you're dating and like people want to quickly link dating to marriage, and I that might have worked like around the turn of the century, but it just it doesn't hold today because what you're doing in middle school, like people aren't usually thinking about marriage, and even in college and you're dating, you're not really thinking about marriage, and usually people aren't thinking about marriage until you're you know, your career is established and, you know, it's, it's average age of marriage is 28, 29, 30, keeps on sort of pushing up. And so like, what do you do with all of that, that, you know, 15 to 20 years of relationships that are sort of important. And so linking it, I just find that linking it too tightly to marriage is not really helpful. So what I really argue is that it's just a way in which we learn to love. And so I sort of try to make this case that there's like three components to it. There's it's finite uh, dating relationships end, <laughs> and mm-hmm. they either, you know, you, you break up or you get married in either case, the dating relationships over. And to try to think about like in Christianity, there's importance to finitude, like finitude, all things sort of end. And that doesn't mean that they're bad. It doesn't mean that they're evil. It just, means that, you know, things things come to an end, and at the end of that is usually a new kind of life that emerges afterwards. So when dating relationships end, there can be good things that come about it, come about as a result of it. If you can learn stuff about yourself, you can learn stuff about how to have a good relationship, you can learn stuff about what you want, you can learn stuff about other people, and especially if you handle a breakup well, like you talk to the person, you're honest about sort of what's going on. Um, there can be good things that come out of that as difficult and as, uh, as they can be. I think that that's a sort of a piece of it to wrestle with. It's sort of finitude that can teach you things about love 
I think there's an element of friendship in it. This is the other one about how you relate, what draws you to people. And Aristotle had this great discussion of friendship. He's like, there can be friends of utility and friends of pleasure and friends of character. And he said, the only true friends are friends of character. Because mm-hmm. he would say, like, if you're just friends of pleasure and friends of utility, the pleasure and utility ultimate fade and the relationship disappears. But friendships of character endure. And as a matter of fact, they not only endure, they're also pleasurable and useful. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's sort of like you get all three. And so thinking about, like, how, what is the foundation for your relationship? How do you relate? How do you connect to one another? What's the basis of it? Uh, and so, like, that's that foundation if it's on character is something that helps you to love and then the last one is that there's always an element of eros um mm. the greeks had wonderful they you know four words for love you know philia for friendship and storage for kind of a duty love and agape for self-giving love but eros was that sort of romantic love and it really is a love that teaches you the particularities like it's not like a generic love that oh anybody will work it's for a particular individual and a particular person. And so it really teaches you sort of the uniqueness of that individual and the uniqueness of that relationship uh, and, and sort of the, the challenges that come with that person, but also the sort of the great gifts um, that come with that person. And, uh, and that's, and that's what I, when I think about dating, that's what I, at least my theology of dating is that it teaches you to love because it teaches you that sort of particularity of love. It teaches you this sort of the basis of love, that's a character, and it also teaches you about sort of uh, love, the limits of love, the finitude that comes along with love. And sort of think about it as that one way, one important way in which we sort of generally learn to love. And, you know, the, the important point is that the Christian call is to love God and love neighbor, so that this is, this is significant. No matter what happens with the relationship, it's significant because you're sort of contributing to that life of discipleship, that life of trying to figure out how to love well. So... Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's certainly a really beautiful perspective because dating can so often just feel really tiresome and oh yeah, and can also be horrible. Yeah. <laughs> you know, depending on your experience, sometimes more often than not. Yeah, um, but but it is really nice to be able to put that in perspective in terms of serving God and to be able to to take a step back and say, okay, well, how is this? helping me learn how to love. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's one of the way back when I had, I was really very fortunate to have really good uh, relationships in high school and college. And I didn't realize how fortunate it was till I was one of my very first classes uh, that I was tapped to teach uh, in graduate school was a class called um, the marriage friendship and God. And, and I just assumed everyone had really great relationships. And as soon as we started talking about them, I realized, whoa, you know, lots of people had really terrible relationships. And so how do you start to think about those, the good and the bad, I think really started me to to ask that question about what's the meaning or purpose of dating? Or what can it mean? How can it be good? Hmm. So. Yeah, rather than just like something that we're going to gloss over or not even think about or, or it's something that we're just going to paint in a totally negative light. Yeah. Yeah, I think that those are the two extremes. Like it either it it's either horrible and terrible and it leads you to sex and therefore it leads you to sin, or it's you know, it's the Disney happily ever after, everything's wonderful as soon as you find your soulmate. So mm-hmm. I think it's gotta be sort of something a little bit more in between. Yeah. Something more realistic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I I think that's that's it's hard to do. I, I think especially if you don't have like a 
you don't have, there's not a lot of social support for it, I guess mm-hmm. I would say. Like, there's not a lot of church support for it. Uh, you know, there's, you get some support from family and friends, but there's not a lot of, there's Resource. no language for it. Yeah. There's no resources. Yeah. Yeah. Well, which is great because that makes us have a job and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, and you can write books. Yeah. Speaking of which, can you let us know about your book coming out in January? Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I was, I was listening to your podcast, uh, uh just throughout the last week and so, and, uh, just, oh, thank you. I just want to say like, yeah, just great work. Like that's one oh. of the things I've been exploring on some of my colleagues because, you know, we love books and we love articles and stuff, but like so many people listen to podcasts and so many people, you know, just different ways in which people get their sort of media. So I was like, oh, this is such a great resource. Thank so, you so much. Yeah. So, yay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, the, so the book it comes out of, uh, there was a few studies that came out about there's a lot of there's a lot of studies on hookup culture on campuses, college campuses. Mm-hmm. And within that research, there is a small a few studies that looked at Catholic campuses. It's like three of them, maybe four. And they all found that on Catholic campuses, people hooked up a lot more. As a matter of fact, if you were Catholic, they sort of indicated that you were more likely to hook up than people that were non Catholic. And hook up thought, in this means yeah can i can i stop you there and kind of talk about what catholic culture means like what does that mean like is it just like the the catholics on on campus and then secondly hookup culture meaning sex meaning just making out making out meaning all of the above eating together in the (laughs) cafeteria (laughs) yeah yeah those are those are such great questions let me do the hookup one first and then i'll do the catholic one but uh one of the things that i that you find is that and I, 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 my guess is that it, this is a little bit true beyond college as well, but definitely on college campuses, the assumed norm is people hook up. All right. Now, whatever, I want to hold off on a meeting for just a second, but the assumed norm is that everybody hooks up. And if you're not hooking up, somehow you're on the fringes of social life. Mm-hmm. In that scenario, like it, it turns out most people don't want to hook up. Most People don't like hooking up. That's particularly true on Catholic campuses, but sort of writ large, like it's, it's people do not like to hook up. There's only about 15 to 20% of people that really do. And when they, it, it tends to be really wealthy people on elite campuses in fraternities and sororities. That's really the only people that like it. But the norm seems to be everybody's hooking up. Well, what happens to everybody else is they feel like they have to play along. And so they participate. And so there's this real ambiguity in the term hooking up. Like, and I think it's actually intentional. It's a way that people can participate in hooking up without having to have like sex with anonymous random people every weekend. And so you can kiss somebody and say you hooked up. You mm-hmm. can do something more and say you hooked up. You can have sex and say you hooked up. And there's a sort of ambiguity to it. Hmm. So I think that the, the definition of it really turns on the fact that it's not actually what you do. It's that there's no expectations of a relationship afterwards. And that's really what mm. um, that's because you can, you pick up a, you can kiss somebody at a, at a party in the evening. And there's just the assumption is that this, this implies nothing about tomorrow and you can have sex with somebody and it implies nothing about tomorrow. So I think that ambiguity is a way for people to participate that don't really want to participate, but neither do, do they want to be sort of socially ostracized. And so they can say, oh, I hooked up um, without actually having to go 
and yeah, you're not a freak contact. because somebody right. thinks you're attractive enough to at least make out with you at the very yeah. least. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's interesting. So, so it turns, yeah, so I think it turns on really like the the lack of expectation of a relationship. But the funny thing is that uh, almost most people want a relationship. Not necessarily they don't want to like get engaged immediately or get married immediately, but they want something meaningful out of the experience, but they have to sort of pretend that they don't. Uh, so mm-hmm. sad. I did. It's, it's really, that's the thing. Everyone's pretending like they don't want a relationship when, or don't want something that's meaningful when almost everybody does want something meaningful. So that, well, that's the first piece. And that actually then, uh, this helps me to explain the Catholic culture a little bit and then how it sort of affects it. Catholic culture is really, I mean it, on campuses in a very sort of distinct way. It's really two components. It's what the institutional structures that you've got and sort of the makeup of the student body. So for example, institutional structures, I'm looking at stuff like how many classes on Catholicism do students have to take on a campus? You know, some campuses require three, some require two, some require one. How many times, how, like how often do they have daily mass on campus. Some have it once a day, some have it once a week, some have it several times a day. What are the visitation rules like in the dorms? Mm-hmm. Um, these are the things that, that students, and really my whole perspective is what do students sort of experience as the Catholic culture? And what they sort of experience is like, you know, how often is masses occurring? What are the classes associated with Catholicism and in the dorms? This is on my line. It's really the institutional structures are masses, classes, and dorms. What's the dorm life like? How restrictive is visitation? And they range anywhere from like single-sex dorms with no visitation from the opposite sex to sort of the middle ground, which is there's some limitations, like there's no sleepovers, but you can visit during the day, to others where there's just no rules whatsoever and what's going on. And so those are the things that really seem to affect students' perception of the Catholic culture. But the other thing, the two other things that are really important is the student body. And so what sort of affects it is like how strong are the faith of the students themselves and sort of their network of friends. So if they're, if the student has a bunch of friends that are Catholic, the place actually seems really Catholic to them. So when I talk about Catholic culture, I'm talking about like those factors that leap out to students and make them think, Oh, this is Catholic. Mm -hmm. And it sort of touches on their, their day-to-day sort of experiences. And that's why like the dorms matter and the classes matter and the daily masses matter. Uh, the, one of the points I make is like having a Catholic president doesn't really affect students. They don't really, doesn't really register on their day-to-day kinds of activities. So for them, that's really not part of their Catholic culture. But as I looked at the campuses, there turned out to be like three Catholic cultures that you experience. And these are just these are just simple terms. They help to, I think, sort of explain it. Very Catholic campuses, mostly Catholic campuses and somewhat Catholic campuses. And just to break them down real quickly, like very Catholic campuses, these are the ones with no co-ed visitation. They have three classes required by every student for Catholicism. And something like 80% of the students on the campus are Catholic and practicing Catholic. Uh, your mostly Catholic campus, these are the ones that They'll have like two classes in Catholicism. Um, they'll have some limitations on visitation in the dormitories. You know, they'll have relatively frequent daily mass. And, and something like uh, 65% to 70% of the students are Catholic. And then your somewhat Catholic campuses, 
they'll have usually have dorms with no visitation limitations on, on them. They might they'll have one class on Catholicism, and they'll have about fifty percent of the students that are Catholic. So the places just from the students' experiences seem to have a different gradation to them. When you put hookup culture together with those, it gets sort of really weird. So this is stuff that I find interesting. Like the obvious one, like your very Catholic campuses, there's n- n- hardly anybody is hooking up on these campuses. And yet, even there, they feel like they're on the outside of social life. So they're the majority, like 80 to 85% of the students n- never hook up. And yet they still feel like they're on the defensive, like they have to explain why they're not hooking up and they have to explain why, why they're different and they have to give an accounting for it. And it's, it's really interesting. Most of them, most, one of the biggest sort of narratives they give their explanation is that, look, I used to hook up in high school and I found I wanted something more. And that's sort of led them usually on this journey to their faith, to the nature of love. And that led them back to kind of, to, to the kinds of relationships they wanted. But it was just, they were, they really, even though they were on their campuses, the dominant culture and no one was hooking up, they still felt like they were on the outside of, of college life. So it was really a sort of a strange experience for them. <laughs> the funniest thing is that, so you're mostly Catholic campuses, you're sort of middle, middle ground Catholic campuses or Catholic culture campuses. These are the ones that actually hooked up the most by far, <laughs> which seems really odd. When you get down to the somewhat Catholic campuses, the least kind of Catholic campuses, there actually wasn't hardly any hooking up at all, almost the same as the very Catholic campuses. And it seems really weird, except for what I started to realize is that, like, people don't like hooking up. And so they don't really like connecting with people they don't know. And so instead, to sort of make it safe, they want to find people that they know. They want to find people that they think is safe. They want to find people that they sort of like, they might have a future with. And so they look for ways to make those kind of connections. And then so usually hooking up on the surface looks like it's that like no expectation of a relationship. But underneath of it, it is really there. Everybody's sort of trying to twist and turn it to make it turn into a make the hookup turn into a relationship. So what happens on I'll I'll do the least category, the somewhat Catholic campuses, the sort of campuses that seem the, the least Catholic to students. They didn't feel like they knew anybody. They didn't feel like they had any connections to anybody. And as a result, they didn't feel comfortable going to parties and hooking up. They, they just, they usually are, these campuses were usually like really big urban campuses. So they didn't feel like they, they knew a lot of people or they were these really sort of rural small campuses where they, that were just trying to serve people that were sort of economically disadvantaged. And so they were, most of the students were not living on campus. They were commuting to campus. And so they just, their, their educational experience was very different. So they hardly ever hooked up because there was just no, there wasn't a lot of opportunities. But even if there were opportunities, they didn't really know anybody that they wanted to hook up with. But that middle Catholic campuses, the mostly Catholic campuses, they hooked up a lot because they felt it was sort of safe. They felt like there's a lot of people here that are Catholic. There's a lot of people that I sort of know. There's a lot of people that I sort of like. We all sort of get along. They weren't as religious as like the students on the very Catholic campus, but they were sort of like, uh, yeah, Catholicism. It's like, uh, they were like a fans of the same sports team. So it was sort of a connection that they had between them one another. And so, oh, this person likes the same things I like. They, you know, they go to church like me. Oh, this is good. And they're sort of 
I'm sort of interested in them. So it provided a kind of a, a way to connect to somebody, which made it easier for them to hook up and almost safer for them to hook up. So it was really uh, what you find on all of these campuses is a hookup culture, but it doesn't look anything like your sort of stereotypical hookup culture. And the, the Catholicism, you know, sometimes would provide them some protection from it, like on the very Catholic campuses, or sometimes sort of facilitated it on your like mostly Catholic campus. And sometimes it was just, you know, sort of irrelevant on these somewhat Catholic campuses. They were just, there was, you know, they're so diffuse in there and the connections between students, that there wasn't those sort of opportunities to sort of hook up. So it was a really, on the one hand, I guess that's sort of the strange and sad story part of it. There's just this crushing weight of expectation that everybody's hooking up and, and yeah, it's really, that's the part that's really terrible. The the flip side, this is my, cause I, I don't like to, just do bad stuff uh, <laughs> is that you find then all of these students and one of the things that kept coming up is all of these students finding uh, ways or workarounds, you know, there's, I, I don't like this. I'm going to find something else to do. So like people would go on rosary walks. This was one thing they go on rosary. Like they're, they're interested in somebody on these really Catholic campuses. They go, oh, let's go on a rosary walk together. So they would pray together. And this is their way to connect up. Or on the other campuses, one of the like the somewhat Catholic campuses, a kid met his girlfriend through marching band. Uh, another kid met this girl that he wanted to go out with through the fencing club. He's like, I'm going to join a club. And that was this sort of way to, just to make friends and, and sort of make and to meet people. All sorts of workarounds that they had. And you sort of found people discovering the relationships that they wanted and, and being happy in the midst of this sort of situation. So if I have any hope, I just hope that like, like just you all all want this, like pay attention to what you're doing and, and share it with one another and you all will be so much more happier. Mm. So that's, that's my only, uh, that, that was a, sort of the happy thing that I feel like there's just this great possibility for things to change. Uh, if people just, if students are just aware that they're not alone and wanting relationships and they're not alone in, in the sort of tricks that they use to find people like joining clubs or parallel eating or whatever it is mm-hmm. that they come up with. If they could like share those, you know, they, I should tell them to start a podcast and then they could sort of interview people about dating. And they would <laughs> there you go. Relationships. <laughs> but not on dating. Not on dating. Yeah, no, we don't want competition, <laughs> but they could just pretend they, they could just pretend they were doing one and use it as a, oh, like there you a, go. Right. a cover story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but what an awful thing to feel like that is the not norm, you know, to want yeah. a relationship, to want to have something that's steady, that something that is God approved. It's so yeah. weird. It, yeah. But do you find in your studies, I understand that it, you mostly looked at like Catholic cultures, but um, yeah. find that there's a bigger uh, implication to the bigger community of the church in general, in, including like Protestants and like, is it, I, I imagine it's not just for Catholics, but, but a wider range of yeah. community as well, secular or not and Catholic or not, you know, like, I just feel like this is probably something that's across the board an issue. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree. Like a lot of the, actually a lot of the Protestant colleges have these conversations like they'll talk about relationships they'll talk about hooking up they'll talk about sexual norms they'll talk about they have those conversations and what i think that a lot of times the catholics don't even have those conversations now mm. you might not agree with the direction of those conversations but a lot i just when i look around at, at a lot of the protestant colleges and my colleagues who are protestant theologians like 
they've been talking about this probably since like their youth group days mm-hmm. with pastors and they've got and with pastors and friends and they've got books and resources in a way that, that the Catholics uh, just have sort of been lagging behind in. But yeah, I do think that for me, it's, I did focus on Catholic campuses, but it's just the broader implication that most people don't like hooking up. They don't like one of the biggest regrets on a hooking up was that was the sense that it didn't mean anything. And people want meaning. If they kiss, they want it to mean something. If they hold hands, they want it to mean something. They, like I said, they're not, people don't want to jump into an engagement on their first date, but they just don't want to feel used and they want something to be sort of meaningful and just, you know, if anything, I, that's what I would sort of hope. I think it's a broader culture. There's a lot of people out there that want to have good relationships and they want to be good people. And yet they feel like they're the odd person out. They feel like they're alone in this sort of uh, situation and just uh, sort of realize that that's not the case. And then, you know, if you could hold up, like all of, there's lots of really good ways to sort of meet good examples that I've sort of seen from my students of ways to meet people, you know, ways to connect to people, ways to just to get to know individuals, you know, to see if you want to go out for them. And if it just, if you can make those skills or those methods more available, that, that, that would be sort of a, a big help. And so again, even though I focus on Catholic campuses, I tried to highlight those things that sort of students were doing that would be, you know, really more broadly applicable. Like, you know, Joining clubs, like that's something you can do on college campuses, but even after college, you know, there's all different kinds of activity, especially if you're in a city. I know you are, are out in L.A. I used to live in D.C., and there was always like there was biking clubs and there was like, <laughs> art clubs, and, you know, just softball leagues and just all different kinds of things going on and just, you know, joining stuff. You're joining stuff you like. And then you're meeting people that you like. And so there's all of these, I think, these really good strategies out there, just that they're not really widely known and all you've got you know you don't you just have this sort of ambiguity about what's going on and don't know how to proceed and so if anything that's what I you know again I'm a Catholic campus but it's that's the piece that I see is really broadly applicable is that most people want meaningful encounters most people want relationships and people are there's just tons of ways in which people are coming up to find those sort of relationships just tons of workarounds just I wish they weren't workarounds I wish they were sort of the norm Hmm. Well, that's awesome and a good note to end on, just with the hope that, you know, most people do want this. It's just method and really understanding how to go about it. Dating is a scary world, but I think it's helpful to know that people are looking for meaningful relationships, and that is encouraging. Yeah, I think that's that's the case. Yeah, and there's definitely, I mean, it is terrifying because there are, people that are not like that. It's just that the vast majority are, I think, looking for good relationships. It's just that they feel like they're the minority. Yeah. So. Well, that is the point of our podcast. We just want people to know that they aren't alone in how they feel and whatever side of the fence they're on when it comes to dating or being ready for marriage or not being ready for marriage. You know, we wanted to get these sorts of conversations out there. So thank you so much, Jason King from St. Vincent. Uh, We look forward to your book. Can you let us know again what the title is? And it's due in January 2017, yes? January 2017, Faith with Benefits, Hooking Up and Relationships on Catholic Campuses. Well, I am sure that when we get a copy of that, we'll uh, have you back and uh, we'll purchase it and we'll read it and we'll have you back to talk about it again, I'm sure. Oh, great.
<laughs> well, thanks, thanks so much for the invitation. It was really such a pleasure to talk to you all. Yeah, so likewise. Much. Jason King. He's awesome. That was really great. Yeah. I really enjoyed talking to him, and I'm so glad that we had the opportunity to do so. Um, he just had a lot of really great things that I feel like, in general, is the reason why we're doing our podcasts. Mm-hmm. You know, there is no real resource within the church. And, again, I feel like that is fine as long as people within the church recognize and are doing something about it, which is what he's doing and what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to continue the dialogue with him, I just wanted to address a few things that stood out to me. The church is lacking how to have the conversation about what good relationships and good marriages are, how mm-hmm. to form those. And it we focus mostly on like what not to do, mm-hmm. which I feel like is so not helpful yeah because it's only focusing on the negatives and not the positives of what a good relationship could be yeah it's like don't have sex before marriage but it's like what morgan was talking about in a couple episodes ago where he talked about that's fine you say that but tell me how do i rein in my teenage hormones or whatever (laughs) yeah i just thought that was really important for him to say and to recognize and as part of his body of work Mm mm-hmm So one of the things that I really loved about what he talked about was the theology of dating. And he brought up finitude, meaning something has to end. He talked about in relationship, that means we either going to get married or we're going to break up. And then he talked about friendship and he talked about Eros. Uh, But what I really loved about friendship, how he explained it, is that we have friendships of utility, we have friendships of pleasure, and we have friendships of character. And usually the ones of the first two don't last, but the one of character usually does, and it has the first two in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was really important when talking about a topic like hookup culture or, you know, when we think about dating, we think about people using each other sometimes for pleasure or utility. But if we have friendships that are based more on character and we're focusing on their want, the same goal of like wanting to please God, for example, or wanting to respect one another and you have the same idea of what it means to really be in relationship, then I feel like that's important. And I'm glad that he articulated in that way as well. Because in the hooking up culture, um, I loved how he defined that as well. It's like, there's no expectation of the relationship afterwards, which to me, just in the experiences I have had in my personal life, is despicable. Like, I just hate that. I hate that there are people that exist that can use a person to whatever degree. I mean, we had in our talk defined hooking up as anywhere from like making out all the way to sex and everything in between, right? But it's basically using a person for a moment and then not having any expectations, no strings attached afterwards. I mean, I think about those movies like, um, was it Friends with Benefits? And then literally a movie called No Strings Attached. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, really? And of course, they all end up, spoiler alert, together at the end. Because that is not possible to maintain like you as a person, your sanity, and or your friendship. I mean, at in the end, I just think that that's awful. Like, people would ever think of just having one night stands. Like, one night stand after one night stand. You think about Joey and friends. Or it doesn't even have to be sex. It could just be like the emotional pull that somebody has on you and not expecting for you to further that in any other way. And we talked about this with uh, Kyle Mooney and Charles McDonald in our Kevin, episode. Of Kevin. Kevin Mooney. 
<laughs> Kyle Mooney is not Kevin Mooney. <laughs> but we talked about that in, in the sense of men and, and women, it's hard for them to maintain just being friends because somewhere down the line, you run the risk of somebody having feelings. Because when you get to a, an emotional point or a physical point in a relationship, it's, it's you, you cross a boundary and that's really hard to recover from sometimes, most times. Anyway, that's my take. Anything you want to add? I just thought that was like super awesome of him and I just encourage so many people to look him up and look up his work. Yeah, like I definitely think that he's doing important work and I'm glad that there are people that are taking this seriously enough to study it uh, and and try to propose solutions. Yeah. Well, great. Well, thank you for listening to our podcast. Today you heard from Dr. Jason King. Check out his book, Save the Date, and his upcoming book, Faith with Benefits, due out in January 2017. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, as always, please email us at fishersofmenpodcast at gmail.com or contact us on our website at fishersofmenpodcast.com. We are also on Facebook under Fishers of Men and on Twitter as LA Gone Fishing. Uh, and definitely please rate us and make comments on iTunes or leave us love notes on our website and elsewhere or not we like controversy as well i'm laura samara i'm mary ashley burton until next time keep swimming